Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Yep. And welcome back to Talkin' Knicks 2019-2020 the season we've all been waiting for. We got Zion. We got no. Uh, the Knicks are here. We, we've assembled a roster. The team is actually much better than last year. We're going to talk about what that means. Speaking of the team getting much better than from last year, we have the whole Talking Knicks gang in here. Full house. Big Baby David, Greg Poon, Ken Poon, Thomas J. Piccolo, and myself, Jake Storielli. And we're going to do what we like to do, and let's talk Knicks. Welcome back to Talking Knicks. We're doing the full season preview. You want it, I got it, go get it. I think that's a rap lyric. I lost it at the end there, per usual. Uh, and that's kind of how the Knicks season normally goes. But today, is excitement in the air? Are are we hopeful? Are we are we sad? I I don't know. Where I, I think I'm gonna kick it around the horn. I'm excited. I'm coming off the my sad Yankees tears. Uh, tough break for them. I, we're also recording on Sunday. I believe the Giants just lost. So we have some sadness in the fan base. And what a time to talk Knicks. I'm gonna kick it. To Tommy Piccolo first. Tom, how are you doing? How are you feeling about just Nick's life, baby? Hey, guys. I'm doing well. Doing well. I'm excited to be talking Nick's again. It feels like it's been a minute. Um, And I'm more excited to just start watching basketball again and to stop speculating and previewing and projecting and all that. I just want to watch basketball happen again, watch the Knicks play, and – I don't know. I'm more excited than I've been in in several years. Like, there's some serious young talent on this team. I'm personally, I'm a little less interested in the guys on the one-year contracts, the more veteran players. I know those are helpful pieces to have, but I'm super excited about R.J. Barrett. Um, I really liked what he showed in preseason. I don't like to put too much stock in preseason, but, I mean, Barrett showed he could ball, and that's kind of what we were hoping to see. Um I'm I'm really pumped to see how Kevin Knox progresses in year two. I want to see more from Frank Nielakina if he is still on the roster come oh, Ooh, a season that's opener. My, that's Ooh. my guy. Um, oh, my guy. Take take it easy. <laughs> and then Mitchell Robinson, like uh, he, I think shocked all of us. Like this time last year, I think we, all of us expected him to be in the D League, not really seeing any minutes, and he showed right away what he could do. So. Yeah, I mean, in general, I am more optimistic than I've been in a long time, and I think that may come as a surprise to a lot of kind of outside uh, NBA fans looking in at the Knicks fan base because they think that we're probably all like heartbroken about how this all went down. I'm really not. Yeah, and it, it's it's interesting because there was that whole. I mean, I I made a Zion joke at the beginning. We literally had episodes last year where we talked about. You know, if Zion and KD could play together, we've come a long way from that. But the roster, there there are 
a lot of young, interesting pieces. The roster itself is better, so uh, hopefully there is better, just a better product to watch, whether it's entertainment-wise or whatever. Kenny Poon, KP in the Power of Three. How you doing, brother? Hey there, guys. I'm uh, doing pretty good. Pretty good. Excited to be here, like Tom. Excited to get back to, to the Knicks, have a distraction from all that stuff that you mentioned in the opener, the the Yankees, the Giants, you know, all that stuff. And I'm, I, you know me, I'm a basketball first guy anyways, so uh, I'm, I'm happy to get involved in all of this. So that's all I got. So I don't want to, I don't want to give away too much of what I'm going to talk about later. So I'm going to, I'm going to cut it off there. Unlike Tom, who threw shots at my boy, Frank, for no wow. reason. All right. Early shots fired between podcast members and at Knicks players. That's how you know we're hot. Greg Poon. You're normally our championship or bust guy. Do you have us hoisting the trophy? I don't see why not. I've been looking at the schedule. I don't see a loss. So <laughs> I'm feeling good this year. Um, uh, but I mean, I'm excited. Unlike Tom, I'm I'm happy that we added good players, even if they are on one-year deals. So Yeah, we, we, we've gotten a little away from, like, you know, the, the Nets who did land the, the big free agent hall. Their whole thing was building an organization with – some solid players around it and team effort, and, and I'm sure we'll have that discussion a little bit again. But anchoring today, the BBD, Big Baby David. Dave, how you doing, my man? I, for one, am just so thrilled. I don't have to worry about Game 2 of the World Series interfering with opening night for the Knicks. Yeah. Um, just would have been a huge mess having to Optimus. balance. Yeah. Thank, thank God. Uh, thank God. Thank God we don't have to worry about that. Um, no, that's a great call, Dave. And, yeah, it is uh, it, it is funny, and I'll say something that's kind of optimistic for myself, obviously, um, lost in Yankees land this year. I will say it does feel like just the other day it was, what is it, the the Eastern Conference Finals. They did the, the lottery beforehand, and we did the lottery stuff, and it was all the excitement, uh, and then – the air got taken out of that balloon pretty quickly. Um, but here we are at the start of a new season. So for Yankees land, I have that cap on. For Knicks land, we're here. And there is a lot of good There is a lot of good that can come from this this Knicks team. And I, I think, you know, we, we end up getting lost and uh, negative Knicks land. All these signs were power forwards. Um, but uh, there, there's a lot of good stuff with the young guys on this team, and I think I want to get into the players. I, I think why not? Let's let's not dance around it. Um, and I, let's start with the young guys. Tom, you kind of you you led us there. And what's the young guy? Are you you started with R.J. Barrett? And I think again, there there's a world where twelve months ago. Getting R.J. Barrett, we would have been celebrating as Knicks fans. <laughs> he was he was the top recruit coming out. He was above Zion, and then everything plays out. Zion's an absolute monster. Uh, R.J. Barrett showed flashes, but that Duke team had some things. Uh, I mean, are you very much keyed in on R.J. Barrett as as the piece that we should be locked in this year? Well, I think we spent so much of Duke's last season and then this summer with just like NBA analytics Twitter, like really hating on RJ Barrett and everything I heard, like I don't watch college basketball. So everything I was hearing was this guy like doesn't have the ability to like really cr go and create his own shot. He can't shoot. 
uh, from three. He's super inefficient. Like, even though he puts up assist numbers, like, he's still not that good of a passer. Like, everything I heard was negative. And then you watch him in these preseason games, and pretty much I just had to throw that all that analysis out the window. Like, it's, it's just so evident that the guy knows how to play basketball, and he's been doing so for a long time. Like, he's been the best player in his class, like, his entire life, right? Like, he just – he kind of carries himself that way too. But, I mean, he's just shown a lot more ability to, to beat his man, to, to use his athleticism and his size to just – still get to the rim he, it's no different than it was in college like he's still able to to create shots for himself and for his teammates so I, i've been impressed with his rebounding with his physicality for a rookie like really in in most respects i've been very impressed with him he's shot 33 percent from three on about four attempts per game so far it's tiny sample size preseason all those caveats whatever bottom line is what fam. i'm seeing is it's it's still impressive Yeah, I I think with with the Zion conversation, it, it's been interesting that a lot of people, when I hear people talk about Zion on the Pelicans, they're like, yeah, I think I think his game's, you know, well, we won't do a full Zion thing, but a lot of people are saying like, well, Zion's out of that Duke offense. There was times Zion had the ball in his hands, like almost running a point forward, because Duke, at the end of their season, they were just trying to do anything they could to get the rock in his hands. And you you could point at that as a negative thing at R.J. Barrett, but I think that Duke team got lost. I, I think it's going to be wild looking back, um, you know, five, ten years from now and being like, wait, those dudes were on the same team um, and, and they didn't win at all. So I, I think that's interesting. Uh, BBD, do you uh, are you locked in on R.J. Barrett? I mean, are, are we ignoring Knox and Mitch Rob too much? Uh, yeah, I mean, I... I RJ Barrett's the main guy we're watching, but I think the guy, he, the young guy who's like kind of the X factor for the organization is Kevin Knox. Um, Cause I mean, if he continues what we've seen a little bit in preseason and, and back in summer league, small sample sizes, but seems to have a bit more of a consistent touch shooting again, small sample. But uh, if he is a guy who takes another step this year and is a guy we start getting really, really optimistic about that's, him and R.J. Baird, who are kind of do-it-all, at least in the offensive end, kind of talents, along with Mitchell Robinson, who we think is pretty much locked to at least become like a, a really athletic, solid defender at the center position, uh, and, and R.J. Baird, who's supposed to become a superstar. But if if Kevin Knox is a guy who can take that big step this year and be like potentially an all-star several years down the line, that would be huge for us. Yeah, and I I absolutely agree with all of that, and I think Kevin Knox is the guy that's been slept on by, you know, most everyone because everyone's excited to talk about Mitchell Robinson because of the flashes that he showed last year, and everyone's excited to talk about R.J. Barrett because he's the number three pick, all of that stuff. But Kevin Knox, he is still ridiculously young, and he's still got kind of a lot of upside, and if if he can, you know, sh- make a jump and become a you know consistent scorer. That would be great for this team. And, you know, I, I know I had this this conversation offline with Tom, but and this might be a hot take, but I think that Kevin Knox being good would be better for the Knicks than Mitchell Robinson being good just based on their positions. So Mitchell Robinson, everyone loves him because they've seen, you know, what he can do and he's already, you know, shown a lot of a lot of flash and a lot of excitement. 
a lot of exciting dunks and things, but the people are moving away from the kind of historical center. So the value, there's less value in the center than there is for, you know, a guy that can play small forward, power forward like Kevin Knox. But Knox <coughs> just hasn't shown it. So I don't know. Is that a hot take? Anyone have any thoughts on that? No, that seems right to me. I mean, Knox plays a an important position these days, you know. I mean, you need the guy to score 20 points. <clears throat> you need the guy who could get a bucket. He needs to get better at defense, obviously. That'll be big. I mean, last year he was one of the most inefficient players in the league, which is a lot, one of the most inefficient rookies ever, which is why he's fallen so so low in a lot of people's minds. But, again, this is a new year, and we're expecting a big jump from him, so we got to be excited for him. And not not to start plugging all my work here, but I do have an article coming out tomorrow on Nick's Film School all about Kevin Knox and kind of the one thing I want to see from him this upcoming season. And there were a lot of things to choose from with him. Um, I mean, granted, defensively, he kind of needs to improve everywhere. Uh, you can make a case for his sort of basketball IQ and shot selection. He, um, he took a lot of long twos last year like I, I think it was more than 80 percent uh he was in the 80th percentile compared to other forwards in the league and he was terrible at mid-range jump shots he shot like 25 percent on mid-rangers it was the worst in the league among volume shooters um but to me like it, it he was put in a position where he had to carry such a large burden of the offense for this team on the on this team that was just bereft of talent so like a poor shot selection in, in my eyes was, was kind of inevitable so I don't really ding him too much for that what I really need to see from him though is the ability to finish at the rim like he he took a decent amount of shots at the rim he, he got to the 10 a good amount um, he's yeah, he's a more than willing driver but he was just awful at converting those attempts and and I kind of tried to boil it down to why that was and it, it was just a, a confluence of a bunch of factors it was a lack of strength and body control it was a lack of spacing from the lineups that were put on the floor around him it was kind of this unwillingness to to pass out of difficult layups and then it was just frankly a, a lack of touch and and the lack of touch is the thing that concerns me the most just going through all of his misses he'd be right by the rim and just sort of fling it over or just just only hit backboard and, and those are the kinds of misses that I really want to see eliminated this year and then just an improved touch around the basket is going to be is going to go such a long way for him and uh, and, and towards being just a, a really foundational player for this next team yeah not I, to not to you know toot Tom's horn too much but he did give me a quick preview of uh of his article and showed me some of the clips of Knox and there are a lot of them where he, you know, he has he had the ability to get to the rim and get himself a fairly open layup and then just toss it up there, nowhere near it. So uh, yeah, I think and, that, and that Kenny, it, it was definitely encouraging that he's able to get those looks, right? Like he's crafty exactly. enough, he's he's skilled enough to get to the basket, but he just was not. He wasn't even close to finishing on a lot of them. So so that's just going to be a huge thing to look for this upcoming season. Yeah, and it's something that we hope that he that improves with age because, you know, he was still a young guy. So there's still – the fact that he was able <coughs> to get those shots is encouraging. Now he just has to finish them. And he, he was 20 years old – or he is 20 years old, excuse me. He's, he's like going to be 20 years, old, 20 years old this whole season. And I, I don't know, may, maybe there's too much devil's advocate in me, but – you know, he did shoot on five three-point attempts. He shot 34.3%, which for a rookie with his size, 
I, I mean, where today's NBA is at, it, it feels like that those are big-time numbers. Um, and, Jake, and the looks he was getting weren't always easy looks, right? He's not just camping out at, in the corner waiting for someone to create offense for him. Like, oftentimes there was no one to create offense for him. So he was, you know, having to pull up from three a decent amount. He was having to create these shots himself in some cases. And, and his three-point shot really is, like, versatile. He can do it coming off screens. He can do it off the dribble. It, it's not just a catch-and-shoot situation. So, like you said, that, that's definitely an encouraging sign. Yeah. And uh, I, I don't know, Greg, Greg or BBD, we, we kind of landed in this in this knock cycle. Is, I mean, in, a narrative's a narrative. I, I, I got in a big baseball fight with a, a famous baseball guy, Jeff Passan, whatever. We talked a lot about narrative. I won't name drop. Um, but, but there's kind of this narrative about like, (laughs) like boxes, Knox's body is kind of weird. And like, he, he was super inefficient and, you know, we kind of wanted to see him at power forward. Is there just a narrative in my head that's not optimistic enough about Knox? Or is it just like kind of an RJ Barrett, Mitchell Robinson effect that's overshadowing him or what is it? I think that's exactly right. I think it's as BBD said. R.J. Barrett got picked third. He's the new shiny toy, so everybody's most excited about him. And um, he's got a higher ceiling than Knox, too. And so you, you've already moved on to focus on that. But we got we got to – we need Knox to be a contributor down the line. You mean, we, we don't need him to be the superstar anymore. We're expecting uh, that out of Barrett coming down in the coming years. But if you have Knox as, like, a borderline all-star or someone who could drop 20, as BBD said, in, in the future, that's great. And I think a lot of the Knox stuff can be attributed to just, like, kind of normal rookie year struggles. The rest of the team was also horrible. They were the worst team in the NBA. Um, if you're going by win-loss record uh, and just Why would eyes. we do that? Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so that doesn't help. Um, and that's kind of all we've seen from him. He's a guy who fell under the radar a bit at – Kentucky considering like a not that I'm a big college basketball guy I hadn't heard of him until like a few weeks before the draft before they picked him um so it's kind of that's all we've seen from him and so this year with potentially a more competitive team more talent around him uh and with a year of NBA service time under his belt this is the year we find out like how optimistic are we gonna be allowed to be moving forward and I I think it's I as you guys know, and it's it's to my own detriment a lot of the time, but I, I like having a loose guideline because sometimes you stumble into to something that's fun. It might be my favorite part about podcasting. But I, I mentioned like, hey, yeah, let's start with these young guys. There's got to be a couple of Knicks fans itching out there and maybe a couple on this podcast that, you know, no mention of Dennis Smith Jr. so far, no mention of Frank Nilakina. Um, I mean – there's a good argument that Alonzo Trier should be in that argument. <laughs> he's he's a guy that, uh, well, to the Knicks' detriment sometimes, was running the offense kind of by himself. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I kind of want to put those three in a bucket for now. Um, where are you guys at with those guys? I, I think my uh, feelings on Frank Nilekina are well known at this point. If we have any new listeners i am the resident frank stan uh i'm i'm still just a general believer in frank you know he had a great uh I did a great job at the FIBA world cup this past summer and you know we're just hoping that some of that that confidence that he showed there particularly in the u.s game where he had a great game hit some big shots down the stretch um, played great defense on kemba walker 
we're you know we're hoping that we see that because last year you could see it in kind of the way that he played that it, a lot of it to me at least looked like just a lack of confidence and uh if he could put it together and like even when he's missing shots just continue to be confident because last year it was I think Jake brought it up but like after he missed a few shots you get the kind of sad puppy dog look and it just you know doesn't go well from there and then he ends up you know getting <coughs> injured a little bit and doesn't play down the stretch but I still think this guy's six six long arms he, he's a great defender and that's the kind of guy that you need as a glue piece on a good team like I'm not saying he's got to be a, a superstar one day but he he could be a very useful piece on a good team if he can put it all together and that's kind of a little bit of what you said at the end there's why he falls a little bit under the radar because I mean yeah his ceiling isn't a superstar like RJ or Mitch Robb or Knox potentially could be um, his ceiling is being like a nice starter or like a really good bench player on a team. And that's a great thing to have. And it's what I'm rooting for. And I have been a Frank supporter his entire career so far. Um, yeah. His ceiling is probably, it's probably George Hill as much as Jake probably hates to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I don't know. I feel like a, a slightly shorter Nicholas Batum. Is, is there anything there with, without the, without the horrendous contract? I see him with like the Shane Battier role on a good team where he's just like okay. like that role not necessarily he's going to be a Shane Battier player. Yeah, cuz Shane Battier un- unlocked a lot of things playing the small ball four. Uh, and and Nick Batum feels like he was more of a skilled offensive player than Frank yeah. projects to be at this point, but I could definitely see the the connections there. Just, you know, a, a gritty kind of do it all defensive role player. Frank can definitely do that. Um, and, and I I love his fit next to R.J. Barrett in the backcourt, kind of having R.J. being a lead ball handler. And and I know I didn't come up with this. I think, Jake, this may have been your idea f- uh, first. But I really do – I the more I think about it, the more I just love Frank being able to defend opposing point guards and being able to move the ball on offense, take care of it. Um, there, there's still a hope, a chance that he can stretch the floor and, and shoot threes. Oh, well, wide open catch and shoot threes. I really do think Frank can do that. And then RJ being the more aggressive, assertive one on offense. Um, I, I think that fit is really strong. I think it's it's a much better fit than any of the other backcourt combinations we're kind of talking about here with Dennis Smith Jr. Um, next to Barrett doesn't feel right to me. Alfred Payton maybe a li- uh, probably a little bit better but even so i just like frank's upside there greg and like greg enough of this guys that fit roles and play defense alonzo trier why aren't we talking about him honestly i have no idea i have no idea what's going on with alonzo trier cuz he doesn't he didn't play in the, the the hawks preseason game next game he comes in off the bench he scores 17 so I, a lot of this <laughs> sounds has to about do right with, <laughs> With in this preseason, no one really knows what the rotation is going to be because the Knicks have like twelve rotation players who could play on any team, pretty much. But who who's gonna who's gonna sit? You can't you can't play all those guys enough. So it's hard to say. But Trier still a bucket getter off the bench. Um, still not the the best passer. He had two assists to go along with those seventeen points, but. I mean, we'll take it. It's better than zero. And so. I don't know if you guys saw the reports from Ian Begley, who's now at SNY. This was a few days ago now. But 
Um, he reported that there's been some early grumbling among some Knicks about their role on the team, and Knicks Twitter took it upon themselves to just completely <laughs> put that on Trier. Like everyone's saying, Alonzo Trier is kind of the, the squeaky wheel. There were those, there were those reports last year that the veterans just didn't like Trier for whatever reason. Um, I don't know. There's just been kind of a lot of a noise coming out of that, and so I, I mean, if the locker room is is kind of like a, a priority for Fisdale. Maybe maybe Trier might be getting moved. I, I I don't know, but if he's actually the one who's complaining, then that's that's definitely a possibility. And Tom, I I hadn't even seen all of that, and you know I you know this is something that you you guys have heard from me, and the people listening to the podcast will hear from me a, a decent amount. But I think that there's going to be a decent amount of player movement this season. Um, and Alonzo Trier was one of the guys that I was thinking is likely to be moved uh, just because he's on a shorter-term contract. I know they're going to have his his uh, RFA rights. He's a younger guy, but his bucket-getting ability is something that a good team could use off the bench. So I think he, he might have some value to be moved for something, anything at this point. And, you know, I, what I've said to you guys is imagine if we traded Noah Vonley for anything last year whether it was a second-round pick or just something. Like, I think that's that's the way that the Knicks are going to move this year, and Trier makes sense as one of the guys that would be moved. Yeah, this quote I'm looking at, from uh, it was from Mark Berman of the New York Post, so take it with a grain of salt, I guess. But he, he says here, the Knicks veterans were displeased with Trier's one-on-one -on -one style of play and believed it had an adverse effect on the team's culture. And then it went on and says, his play on the court was cancerous, an NBA source told The Post. A lot of guys didn't like the way he played team ball. So, um, Isozo. Yeah. What's the, what's, the, what's the date on that? Is Tim Hardaway Jr. still on the team in this quote? <laughs> and this, is, this is April 15th, so he'd, he'd been moved by then. It's uh, a tough look then. Boing. But the thing is, last season the entire <coughs> Knicks offense was everyone going iso ball. So like I, I mean it, it seems weird to call out Trier for that. Like I don't know what the deal is, but like yeah, that, all, everyone played iso ball all the time. Yeah, that whole team played cancerous basketball. <laughs> that'd be that'd yeah. be a pretty good quote. Alonzo Trier just goes back like, yeah, we all we all were bad guys. What the hell? We won seventeen um, games. <laughs> um, I was gonna. I was going to say at least they had the most fun, but it sounds like that's not the case. Yeah, damn. Damn, Daniel. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just funny. I mean, Trier's one of these wild card guys that, <laughs> I don't know, after doing this for a couple years with Talking Knicks, I, I feel like I had Trey Burke as a wild card guy, and that didn't exactly work out last year. But a, a dude was a rookie who put up 11 points per game and shot almost 40% from three on two attempts. It'll be interesting to see how he comes in. And I think, you know, Frank... It, it's kind of known. Like, he, he can play defense. It's how he finds his way on offense. Trier, kind of vice versa. <laughs> um, he, he can score. Uh, what else can he do on offense? And will he play some defense? Is anyone here I, – I think this is a fun one. Is anyone here a Dennis Smith Jr. stan? I mean, I think uh, – I, I expected him to take a big jump this year, but – he he started the preseason injured, and then when he played against the Hawks, he he looked like he had somewhere better to be. Ooh. He was just <laughs> he was not putting in effort on the basketball court. 
Yeah. And then, I mean, and, <clears throat> go, go ahead, Kenny. I, I still believe in Dennis Smith Jr.'s potential. Uh, he's still a freak athlete, and if you believe the videos of his summer workouts, and I know every single player has yes. videos of his summer workouts where they look amazing, um, but if you believe his summer workouts, he worked on his shot a lot this year. You didn't see it much in the preseason um, in terms of success, but, you know, small sample size, maybe he'll maybe he'll show us a little more shooting this year. And I know there were streaks in the last few seasons where he looked like a capable shooter, and if he can figure that out, then he's going to be an absolute weapon just because his ability to get to the rim, his athleticism, and if he can add shooting, like, he's, he's going to be a great player. So I'm optimistic about him, but I just – you know, um, there's a lot of other young players who are kind of ball dominant, and I don't know who's going to end up with the ball in their hand the most. So we'll we'll see what happens. Yeah, and Dennis Smith, he's a, he is a guy who's a little over a month away from his 22nd birthday. Ridiculously young, ridiculously athletic. Uh, in his draft class, wasn't he considered like the single most athletic dude? Might be making that up. Um, that sounds right. He's, he was compared to Russell Westbrook, you know, like two years ago. He's considered like that was his ceiling. Um, so, so as much as I, I think, yeah, he has as much potential as anybody we've discussed. He's not a guy guys consider because with how young the the core guys are, he is a little, just a little older than everyone else. Um, and he wasn't a guy that the Knicks like actually chose. Uh, so that is part of it as well. Um, yeah. It's kind of all I got. Yeah, and I think no, I, I think that's actually a valid point that I hadn't thought about. Is like maybe the reason that I don't have as much kind of investment in Dennis Smith Jr. is because he is this kind of hired gun that came from another organization. But I do still think that he has a lot of potential, and you know, he it, he still has the possibility to become he becomes the you know the all star on this team among all of these young young players with potential. And maybe yeah. it's also something where. People could be a little resentful of Dennis Smith Jr. because uh, we traded that one guy for him, uh, and we don't we don't talk about him. Yeah, we already talked about Tim about. Hardaway. Let it go. Yeah. Uh, exactly. I've never heard of such a person say his name. <laughs> we also like the thing that makes it tough to get excited is that we have no idea what the backcourt rotation is going to be. Fisdale sat like Peyton one game and then he sat and Frank the next game to be like, I don't know, let me see what works, which isn't what any other coach was doing in the preseason. <laughs> they, were, they were like, all right, I'll put these two in at the same time. And then in the same game, I'll put these other two in at the same time and see what works. Yeah, he's giving the same, he's giving different pairs, full yeah. games what was, against different what guys. Was the, uh, what was the Knicks rookies minute per minute per game or the preseason oh. minute per game thing? So it, before the last preseason game is they said only three people in the, in the league were averaging over 30 minutes per game in the preseason um julius randall and taj gibson were both averaging about 30.1 or somewhere in there and rj barrett was averaging 37 <laughs> yeah <laughs> I'm, uh, rj rj barrett finished with 37.3 minutes per game in the in his four games so i mean i get it for taj gibson he needs those preseason reps but um <laughs> That's uh, that's next. I don't, oh, Tom. I, I I saw you had something on Dennis Smith Jr. Did and anything you need to get off your chest was did Big Baby David almost give you an aneurysm when he said All Star Dennis Smith Jr. 
And look, I don't think that uh, Dan Smith Jr. will ever be an even like an average three-point shooter. I don't think he really has that in him. I don't have that much faith in his his mechanics. Um, but like he brings a lot of other stuff to the table. I was I was checking out a, a Twitter thread from uh, I'll give him a shout. It was Dallas Amico from Posting and Toasting, and he had a, th- a thread of um, a video where Dan Smith Jr. was just grabbing rebounds and pushing the ball in transition and then finding guys. And, and he finished the last game against um, New Orleans with six assists, and a lot of those were in transition. But, like, he is a good – like kind of like that Westbrook comparison. He's a good rebounder, and he the guy just goes. Like, he forces the issue. He he puts a little, so much pressure on the defense, more so than – like, a lot more than Frank and certainly more than Alfred Payton. So he definitely brings a different dynamic than these other point guards do. Um, the question is whether his shooting will be such an issue that it'll be harder to keep him out there, and and his defense has always been a question mark too. But like, I like him as kind of a change of pace guard off the bench, kind of being a dynamic scorer. He can be score first against second units. Um, but in terms of like organizing a, an offense and leading an offense, I don't really see it for him as our starter this year. But Maybe I'm a little lower on him than, than you guys are, but I, I do think he has these certain skills that can that can translate and are going to be very important on a Knicks team that that is going to look to run a lot. You got you've got one of the best running bigs in the league in Mitchell Robinson. You got all these young guys. Julius Randle likes to get out in transition. Um, R.J. Barrett, of course. Kevin Knox does too. So this team could be really fun if they play up tempo. Um, I, I'm just hoping that uh, <laughs> that Fizdale encourages that. And and I, just one more thing, like we also saw that last year, Fizdale just really preferred point guards who drove the ball and got into the teeth of the defense like we i talked about we've talked about moutier we don't talk about moutier we don't talk about moutier but like clearly uh fisdale preferred that type of point guard over like a frank nilakina type so that is why i'm thinking that dennis smith will continue to be one of uh, fisdale's go-to guys in that in that rotation well, and I, I think we hit a good point with some of the young guys. I The only guy we left out is Kenny Poon's Dame Dot. Um, little older, very solid. And I, I have some fun Dame, Stott, Dame Dot stuff for later. So I, I want to get to the new guys. Um, I was going to call them the Knicks Six, but looking back at it, seven free agents and guys that are like solid NBA players and known commodities. And this is where this whole Knicks thing goes off the deep end, and we'll see how we get lost in it. Um, I'll I'll. Aim, aim small, miss small, slash I'll start with the, the big fish. We got Julius Randle, who just got mentioned. Julius Randle has some really impressive numbers around him, um, and the, the Knicks paid out, and they said they got their guy. That's who they went after in free agency. Um, you, heard, you heard the inflection in my voice there. Uh, and then, okay, so we'll do the power forward fest that everyone freaked out about. Taj Gibson, Bobby Portis, uh, old Chicago Light. Uh, guards, we have Reggie Bullock, uh, who he's injured. I, I don't think we're going to be able to do much Reggie Bullock talk. That was one of the weirder free agent signings you'll ever see. <laughs> Some solid vets in Alfred Payton and Wayne Ellington. It sounds like I'm listing a total, a totally different team. And then this was the wild card that ended the Knicks free agency on, Bullock. on, on a crazy note. Marcus Morris comes to town, a guy that you'd look at and be like, wow. If, if he signed with a good team, you'd be like, is he the guy that gets him over the hump with the Knicks? It's like, what the hell? Um, 
I'm asking that question though. I'm saying, is he the guy that gets <laughs> us over the hump? <laughs> and that's that's gr- so close, Greg. Greg, you you are our shiny. <laughs> we that God. That's our final piece. We got our guy. Um, hey guys, I, I I'll let you go wherever you want with it. I I mean, I think Julius Randle. I I don't know if we want to just have the or he he deserves us having the full conversation. I don't want to just throw it to you guys and then. Greg goes, Wayne Ellington, buckets. Uh, <laughs> Julius Randle is the big fish we brought in. The dude put up big numbers, 21.4, 8.7 rebounds, three assists, three helpers. Um, he's gotten better every year. That's that's Is that a lame sports person thing? Do I need yeah. to get that out of my reputation? Because like, if you're not, that just means you got worse, and we probably want to be talking about you. Um but, no, it, it's interesting. He was with the Lakers when they were figuring things out. In 2017-2018, he was listed as a center and played a lot of minutes there. He goes to the Pelicans. He puts up huge numbers. He signs with big money for the Knicks. Uh, Greg, because I, 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 I threw some fake shade at you, Julius Randle, all-star or MVP? He posted some crazy stats. I, I, don't, I don't have the stats right now, but – Without Anthony Davis playing, he, he averaged like 28 or something, too, on top of that actually averaging like 21 or whatever you said, 20, right. 20 and 9. So he's he's a bucket getter. Um, but we'll see. He might be a black hole like everybody else on the team. So we'll we'll see how that works out. Uh, but I love the guy. He's, he's very smooth, great finisher, a lot better than whatever we had last year. Which, uh, which I blacked out, so I don't even remember who played in the post last year other we, than Mitchell Robinson dunking the ball. We talking about Enos Cantor? We talking about black holes or what? Mm. Yeah, so it's a huge upgrade over <laughs> Enos Cantor. Um, I'll, I'll say this much. Uh, just watching the preseason, I think Julius Randle is a lot more skilled than I anticipated. Like, he has some handles. Uh, he was a better passer than I thought he was going to be. Um, he, he had some really nice kind of interior passer, passes where, you know, he drew someone else's guy and then, like, just kind of dumped it off for an easy dunk, which, you know, was nice to see. And, you know, I think he's going to be a better, a much better version of what Vonley was early in the season when he was kind of our, you know, do-everything MVP player. And then, obviously, Jeez. he dropped off. But, like – I think we're going to see him doing the whole Vonley grab the rebound and bring it up thing. I think we're going to see him, you know, instigating the offense from the high post and and things like that. So, and and like this, like you guys have said, he put up numbers last year, and he this is a guy who could put the biscuit in the basket, and I I expect him to do that for the Knicks and be the main guy doing that for the Knicks. So I'm I'm excited to see what he's about, you know. Yeah. And I, I, I don't know. I think I think what's funny and jumped out to me on that, and Ken, I I understood what you were saying, but the fact that we're that we would even mention him in the same breath as Noah Vonley shows how much of a talent upgrade this guy has been to what we've seen on the roster for a little while now. I mean, even even when Chris Stapps was bringing it, it was still like, oh, young unicorn, what's he gonna be? Julius Randle is fairly established. He's he's gonna be. He's going to be good. He's going to average 20-plus points per game. And he's still very young. What is he, 23 now? Uh, 24. 24. Almost 25. Yeah, he's, he was born like the same calendar year as Kyle Kuzma. <laughs> still young. You, you always say that, David. 
We never ask for that stat. You always have it ready to go. Kuzma's birth year. Yeah. <laughs> well, like, well, now I gotta find the actual. <laughs> you really don't. Don't feel it's like not you even have to right. Do uh, uh, for everyone asking, it is 1994. So, okay. Whoo! You're welcome. I, do we call it there, Tom? <laughs> you're our. You're, you're our. You get. You get lost in the numbers, and we like that about you. Um, but you also have the perspective of playing the damn game and getting buckets. Where are you, I? I genuinely don't know if I know where you're at with Julius Randle. I mean, I think it was it was good to get him on a two-year contract just so he'd have a little skin in the game. Um, with the option for the third. With the option for the third, exactly. Um, I I like him, first of all. I, I think I even liked him in L.A. Uh, you mentioned, Jake, you mentioned him playing center, and that really that does worry me a lot. I know he is is known as one of the one of the worst rim protectors among bigs in the league and you just mentioned how I get lost in the numbers so I wanted to look that up real quick um yeah he was he was like bottom 5 in the league among bigs at protecting the rim last year allowing about 65% um when he was guarding the rim it it, it is worrisome I don't know how many minutes he'll be getting at center but the thing is Mitchell Robinson is he's still figuring out his whole fouling situation. Like he, he showed in preseason that he has some difficulty staying on the court. Um, I mean, Bobby Portis is another one of those guys who's right next to Julius Randle in these rankings as, as towards the bottom at protecting the rim. So if we're caring about defense right now, that's pretty worrisome. Like when Mitch is off the floor, I think the Knicks defense is going to just tank. Absolutely. So that makes that makes Mitch one of the more. How, how do you players. how do you like him with Mitchell Robinson when when they're on court together as the four and the five? How do you like that pairing? I actually like it a lot. I mean, I, I think okay, like Mitch is great in a lot of respects. He's super athletic, but he's not physical yet. Like he he's too thin. He avoids contact. He does not set screens. He slips every single screen. I'm sure we've noticed. Um, but Randall is a is a bully. He's a straight. He's a complete contrast he's to Mitch dog. in that regard. Like he is. Like he just he looks for contact. He he is just like hunting those rebounds, and and he will just on offense. He'll get in transition and push the ball down your throat. So I I really do like the the contrast in skills there. Also, Randall is a very willing three point shooter. Um, he was really good in preseason. He shot four threes a game, hit four, almost 44% on those. Um, not that that will be indicative of, of next season, but like he's even shown in the past he can hit the three. So he he's a lot. He's not like Noah Vonley in that respect either, where, where Vonley just kind of defenses let him just launch it. Even though he started out the season hot, he ended up being terrible from three. So I think that the two actually complement each other really well. Yeah, and I was talking about early season Vonley when he was hitting the three, Tom. So don't don't throw that at me. I know yeah. he was a bad shooter at the Those end. Those were good times. Those were good times. I think he ended up being like 31% from three or something like that. But, it's a drop. Um, but Randall, <laughs> I mean, he. I, I expect Randall to be in that 35 36% range on a decent volume. Like he's, like I said, he, he will definitely jack shots. He's not shy about it. Um and, and and he's willing to create for himself, and he is he passes too at times. We'll see if if he does get that black hole tendency. But I mean, he, he's 
you know, he's not in a contract year here, can, right? He's locked up for a little bit. So I'm, I'm hoping he's, he's more on board with getting the team involved and, and looking to develop his teammates as well. Hey, can I just throw this out there? Um, Julius Randle led the team in assists in the preseason. So why don't you guys back off my boys passing? With how many? Oh. Uh, four and a half a game. Hey, I'll That's take that. I'll be I'll be completely honest with you. So um, 18, 18 total. Dennis Smith Jr. also averaged four and a half, but he only played two games, so we had nine. Nine. He's averaged assists. over three assists in two of his four full seasons. So that's uh, something. And uh, and the other thing to note with with Julius Randle, along with the general, he's getting better. He's getting. It seems like just looking at the numbers, he's getting more efficient with higher volume each year, especially from two years ago to last year. He sh- improved his three-point shooting a, um, a a full, like, 12% on, like, two full more, full more attempts per game. Um, similar numbers for his overall shooting and, and free throws. Um, this is just, I don't know. There's nothing you could really be like pessimistic about with Julius Randle. I guess the only the only not not to be the pessimistic one, but the only number that that does scare me is that turnovers per game number. I I felt like in preseason he was uh, he coughed the ball up a lot, and uh, he's going to have a really high usage rate this season. the The team's going to lean on him very heavily. I could I could see him averaging you know in that three and a half to four turnovers per game, and, and that's just something to look out for. But then the, he he'd, he'd be up there with like Westbrook, Harden, and LeBron. So he'd be one yeah. of the best players in the league. Yeah, that's that's a good. Can't argue that. Though. He's also just looking I, out I, for the future of the team. He's locked in. He wants one more pick in there. So more yeah. more turnovers, dude. That's uh, Greg. I saw you chomping to get in there on on Julius Randall. Are we are we like being too nervous as Knicks fans? Like Julius Randall <laughs> could be but, really good. I mean, he's the best player on our team for sure. Yeah. He's, he's, he's going to be averaging 23 at least, probably. Okay. I'd guess. Ooh, I quick qu- quick around the horn. Julius Randle point per game. Greg. 23 at least, probably. <laughs> Big baby David. Uh, uh, 24. Ken. 24.1. Tom. Mm-hmm. 21.8. 45. Um, wow. <laughs> yeah. No, I, uh, I I don't know. I think like 25, there's there's a world where Julius Randle is a 25, 9, and 4 guy, which that's a really good basketball player. We'll see what it comes out wins and losses-wise, and it depends a lot on the rest of the roster. Um, guys, he 40, the rest. He had a 45-point game last year. See? Wasn't against, wasn't against Enos Cantor? Like, didn't didn't uh, he throw that in Cantor's face when he called – Zion Julius Randle with hops. Maybe. Was that I, that was that at the same time? Was that I forget what order of events things happened in. <laughs> Me too, Dave. <laughs> in general. Yeah. <laughs> just on the day to Across the board. <laughs> just anything that's not Kyle Kuzma's birth year. Um, <laughs> the rest is hazy. <laughs> the rest is just a blur. Um guys, the the rest of this free agent class, and you know the Knicks. <laughs> This will shock you guys. The Knicks were the laughing stock for about a week. And I don't know, when you when you take a step back, it's like, okay, these are good ball players. Um, and I, I think I'm going to roll through them pretty quick and, and maybe you guys pick out 
who who jumps out to you. Marcus Morris, um, obviously half of the Morris twins. Mook. He uh he he comes over from the Celtics. He's a guy six nine four. He's a he's a dog. He can play defense. He can spread you out a little bit. He can do a little bit of everything. Throw Alfred a ball Payton, in your face, man. He'll he'll be mean on you. Um, Alfred Payton comes over, a guy that looked. Um, I don't know. He kind of never lived up to his expectations, but yet now he's found a pretty nice role. He he was a guy that put up some big numbers. I think he had five straight. Uh, triple doubles at one point uh it'll be interesting to see how how it does he command the point guard role or are there going to be days when we're like oh Alfred Payton looks like low triple double Alfred Payton and then there's days like why is this guy even out there uh Wayne Ellington it seems like he's gonna got get a lot of pulls from distance and he's someone that we we talk about very casually Bobby Portis uh early candidate to be the Ken Poon favorite Angry, will punch you, can also hit the three for a big man. Um, and then Taj Gibson, one of the more well-respected guys in the league. He um, He's the guy that I think his role just seems up in the air. I, I think in a perfect world, um, he's like a player coach to some of these young guys. But at the same time, I, I, I feel early in, in this season, if you know if you had to pick Kevin Knox or Taj Gibson to be in the game down the stretch... There's a lot of games early this year where Taj Gibson would probably be the better basketball player. So it turns into the whole Knicks dynamic this season. Are we trying to win early? Are we trying to get the young guys' experience? Um, Tom, I'll go to you. Out of out of that, out of the next group of Knicks free agents, who's the guy that you have circled and you're like, yes, I'm here for this. I mean, I'm just always a fan of shooting, so I, I really do think I'm a, to quote Greg Poon. Wayne Ellington buckets, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like he, the I think Ellington will be such an important part of the offense, just because there aren't a lot of guys on this team who can do what he can do, which is just sprint around screens and and you know make defenses react and and be a threat from from three at all times, right? Um, we're the Knicks did get they they got made fun of a lot for their front court signings, but. You know, some of those guys, Bobby Portis can shoot threes. We talked about Randall being able to shoot threes. But it's it's different. Like, they're more able to spot up around the arc. They can't do it on the move so much. And really, I don't think anyone else on this team, I guess Kevin Knox can do it to a little degree, and Damian Dotson. Yeah, Dotson as well. But but I think that Fisdale's greatest challenge this season is going to be is going to be that spacing and, and getting enough shooting on the floor to, to let the guys who want to attack the basket be able to do that. Um, so I, I'm super curious to see how Ellington's minutes shake out because I think no, I think no matter what, I'm going, be, I'm going to be saying he should be playing more, but we'll, we'll see. Let's not forget about Reggie Bullock coming back, guys. I did. Yeah, we, uh, we, we kind of can for now. Hey, may, maybe Reggie will – uh, talk about a weird free agency that I'm not going to relive that. Um, Ken, outside of Reggie Bullock, who who uh, jumps out? I mean, I I mentioned it in the lead lead into this, uh, but I got to talk about Mook Morris becoming an instant fan favorite by getting ejected from the first preseason game. Yeah, for throwing a ball off a guy's face. That's I, I feel like the New York Knicks fans are going to love him. He's a he's a you know tough tough ball player and he he likes to likes to get rough around the rim you know 
I'm uh, I'm here for it, as you said. And you know, the other thing is he shot amazingly well from three in the in the preseason, um, seven for fourteen total. So that's fifty percent from three. And chalk. I I am confident he will be the starting small forward to start the season. Uh, and he, I saw a lot from him in the preseason, kind of like with what I said about Julius Randle. But he's got a lot more kind of skill and craft in his game than I originally realized. So I think he's the guy that I'm I'm looking out for, along with uh, I don't want to steal anyone else's, but just mentioning uh, Bobby Portis. Like you said, just I I didn't see enough of him um, this preseason, but uh, I'm ex- I'm excited to see what he's going to do. Yeah, I'll, I'll take that one. I, I, I'm most excited about Bobby Portis. I think that he may be starting at center. I, I know people said that the Knicks got a bunch of power forwards, but they've been starting Morris, Randall, and Bobby Portis all, all together. Not all at power forward at three different positions. But So Portis last year averaged 14.2 and shot 39% from three. So he's got a good touch, shot 80% from the line. He's a good shooter. And so, you know. Having a having a big man who can stretch stretch the floor and shoot will be good to go with uh, Morris and Randall. I think that'll that'll. I don't I don't know where the. There may be all be black holes. I don't know enough about all these guys, but True. we'll see how they mesh together. It's gonna well, be that, a lot of bully ball with those. That's guys. the thing that worries me most about Marcus Morris is I feel like he's just. He's like a serious black hole in that like at least Julius Randle gets those assist numbers up like he did average four and a half in the preseason he's had multiple seasons before like like BBD mentioned but Marcus Morris doesn't have that track record like he just gets buckets and and sometimes it's it's he's not sometimes he doesn't shoot 50 percent from three right like (laughs) I'm pretty worried that this season we complained last season how it was all iso ball like everyone was playing the iso zo style Marcus Morris is gonna be the first one on that bandwagon if things go south Marcus Morris is just gonna be jacking shots from anywhere and I don't know how like and Greg mentioned earlier that he was glad that the Knicks signed all these good players and I, I definitely get that, but like Marcus Morris's style is concerning to me because I feel like he doesn't make his teammates better in a lot of ways. So, like, uh, like Marcus Morris getting crunch time looks at the you know instead of guys like Knox or or Barrett. That's that's one thing I'm going to be looking out for this season because I I just think that it can it can get away from us pretty quickly with Marcus Morris just going straight ISO. And like I said, I am excited about Marcus Morris. I think he's going to be a fan favorite. But going back to what I said early in this app, uh, I think a lot of players are going to move, and I think Marcus Morris is number one on my list of players who are likely to move just because I think he's probably going to be the most valuable um, trade piece that they have. And I think that, you know, they are going to move people. So it would just make sense. Yeah, that's makes that's a lot where of money. I'm at. That, that's basically where I'm at. Um, that's why that's why Marcus Morris is probably the vet I've got circled the most uh, on my radar. Just because if he if if he's bad, at least he's like an experienced vet. And if he's not, you know, being a bad guy, he'll like teach people stuff, which is cool. Um, and if he's good, then he's the guy who they can actually get like a, a decent trade package for. And. and they, as much as all these guys could be moved for something, he's a guy that could be moved for something like really good. Like he could get them a first, maybe. Um, the other guys, like any of them, could go for a second. 
but who knows? Um, yeah. Yeah, and you wondered that. I mean, the Knicks front office, the the trade thing is going to be a recurring theme of this year because I, I we have some hopes for the Knicks, but we do think they're going to be sellers with all these guys that have contracts with options on them. And Marcus Morris, like I was saying, you know, if this was talking jazz and and they added Marcus Morris, they'd be stoked and be like, yes, another guy. He could finish. He could guard people. He could hit an open shot. We're in a weird spot where Marcus Morris could be our second best player, yet we just don't know how it fits, <laughs> which which sounds ironic and weird and also sounds very Knicks tape. Um, and, and I don't know. I wanted to touch on Bobby Portis real quickly. Some of his stats, man, I know they were on Chicago and Washington, but you could do some blind player test things with him. 14 points, <laughs> eight boards, and he shot 39% from three on four attempts. Um, he, he's going to be a guy that I feel like we can fall in love with because he's also intense and all of that. Um, uh, and I, I think the guy that I want to touch on really quickly is, is the guy that I've been just just talking about and mostly debating Tom with is Alfred Payton. I, I, I really think he's going to be a calming role at the point guard position when when we talk about Dennis Smith Jr. You know, there will be some highs and some highlight reel stuff there. Running an offense, I don't know. Frank Nilakina, we we've done this song and dance for a couple years now. Um uh, Isozo, <laughs> we did a little thing on that, didn't go so hot. Um, I, I just think in the past couple years, guys we've been excited about at the point guard position, Trey Burke, um, I, I mean, Jarrett Jack got us excited for a little while. I think Alfred Payton, although he's not a great shooter and as much as we'd like this or like him to be, I think he's going to be a really calming role as a guy that wants to distribute. He's a pass-first player with all these guys we're talking about as black holes. He's been in the league for a little while. He does a little bit of everything. I, I think Alfred Payton is going to have an impactful role on this team. Yeah, and Jake, just reading the, the Knicks Twitter tea leaves a little bit, it seems like Payton's going to kind of be a well, – what's the opposite of a fan favorite? He's going to be kind of like – Moutier. He's going to be uh, – yeah, I think he might kind of backfill that, that Moutier role a little just because, you know, there was that whole conversation with Fizdale talking about the, it being a competition for the starting spot and just, like, guys needed to play their way into it. And and Peyton had a really r- rough preseason. Like, nothing that he did – you know, he shot 25% from the field, averaged under four points per game. He, he put up 3.7 assists and three turnovers per game in about 22 and a half minutes. Like, he shot 20% from three, didn't get to the free throw line once. So some really concerning things. Granted, it's a preseason and all that, but when you're saying these things, like, you need to see it. You need on-court proof of who should start, who's going to take this starting point guard position. Nothing Peyton has done would indicate that he's earned it. And if he does get that starting role, like, I can see why Knicks fans would be pretty upset. And it's just like what he did doesn't matter. Like, it's not important. It's not even um, supposed to man. be in the area. <laughs> if, if you hear any random quotes from us that sound a little off, watch watch the Netflix show. I think you should leave. Um, some, Sponsoring this some, episode. Some weird skit comedy. Yeah, they, they might be the sponsor this episode. And I, 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 I like where we landed right now because we, we had this written down a little differently. But I, I want to reverse engineer this, another phrase I love using because it's such good BS business talk. Let's reverse engineer this. Nick's starting lineup. I think we've all got the same center, right? 
Mitch Rob, that dude's pretty good. I don't Greg, know about that. Greg mentioned, yeah. Really? I mean, I, I, I know that I want him playing the most minutes, but in this preseason, Bobby Portis was starting at the end of it. Okay. I mean, is there something there to a second uh, second unit, Mitch Rob? Is that, like, protecting him a little bit? I don't know. I mean, Maybe. it's uh, it's hard to say because literally Fisdale – was just doing whatever he wanted in the preseason. Like I said, like we said, he just was like, uh, I'm just going to sit Frank Nielkina this game and figure some other stuff up, figure yeah. something else out. So I, I don't know. But that I know that Bobby Portis started in, in the last preseason game. Yeah, and I think that is a possibility. It's um, also not true. It was the second to last one he started. Mitchell Robinson started the last one. Yeah, so And I think, I think it's a possibility that either of those two could be starting games. Um I my heart tells me that I want Mitchell Robinson, but I could see it as a kind of fifty fifty shot as to to which one it ends up starting. Yeah, I, I just don't know. Does does that seem like overthinking it a little bit? Like Mitchell Robinson's good. He's he's a good kid. He's like worked really hard. Everything you hear about the kid is such great stuff. Like maybe reward this dude that's setting block records. I I don't know. Is that me being lazy and ignoring that Bobby Portis might be the better all around player right now? And I mean no. the. Part of the question is we know that Mitchell Robinson probably isn't going to play 30 minutes a game just because of his foul tendencies. So, like, we don't know how much it matters like, who's starting and who's who's not starting for these purposes. Yeah, I, I think it, that Mitch has to start, man. Yeah. Like, he is yeah. so far and away our best defender that you want him – to be on the court against the other team's best offensive players, right? Like having him go up against second units just is, it's kind of wasting his defensive ability a little. And I mean, Bobby Portis, I can't really stress how bad his defensive numbers are. Like it is really shocking. I, I pulled up his rim protection numbers here, guys. So there were only five players in the league with the worst defensive field goal percentage at the rim. I'm going to list those five players right now in order from, from best to worst here. Jeremy Lamb, Thomas yep. Sadoransky. Oh, I was going to say that. Kemba Walker, Drew Holiday, surprising one, and Colin Sexton, the rookie from Cleveland. Like, those are all guards. Those are like all yeah. small players. Bobby Portis right in the conversation with those guys. Um, he, he really – and I, I think it, it shows on the screen too. Like, he – he is not a strong defender by any means. The only reason you'd want him starting is if you don't think your your starting unit has enough shooting and you need a, a floor spacer out there. But to me, it, it, this is a no-brainer. It has to be Mitch to start right. against opposing offenses. Right. I've I've been convinced. Yeah, I, I think Mitch Robinson's going to start because I mean you got Mitch, you got Portis coming in off the bench, and he can he can run the offense a little bit through him coming off the bench. And Mitch Robinson, you don't need to run anything for him. He's just cleaning up. And my one last kind of counter argument would be, you know, it depends on who's in the second unit. If you have some of the if you're running the se- the young guys out in the second unit to to build some chemistry, that's a possibility. But I generally agree with you that I would like to see Mitch out there I just don't think it's given Fist the way that Fisdale has kind of handled things I don't think it's an absolute that Mitchell Robinson will be starting I want him to I just don't think that it's an absolute yeah I mean I'm looking at big baby David in his Danny Dime shirt right now and not to draw parallels across sports like that because I don't think Daniel Jones and Mitchell Robinson get compared a lot but start Mitchell Robinson (laughs) I think I think that's that's step number one of doing this thing right. 
Yeah. Um, yes. Big Baby David. So when I w- was reverse engineering this, I didn't I didn't think the Mitch Rob conversation would be a thing, but there there was a good point. Bobby Portis is preseason, and uh, yeah, Mitchell Robinson's only going to play twenty five minutes per game anyway, so it's kind of a moot point. But we all have Julius Randle at the four. Yep. Yep. Yes. Three gets interesting. We are we assuming Marcus Morris? Do we think Knox? Do we think one of them is going to be a super weapon off the bench? Do do we think it's start Marcus Morris so he doesn't take down the team from the inside? I'm pretty confident Marcus Morris is going to start because he's our second best player right now. Right. And they pay, they really paid him a lot of money. So beginning yeah, of the year, it makes some sense. guarantee from like when he left that San Antonio deal on the table, he, it'll be Marcus Morris at small forward and Kevin Knox coming off the bench. I, I'm, I'm I feel pretty confident about that. And we kind of want Kevin Knox getting most of his minutes at the four when we can anyway right and there's not really a way for him to start at the four in in any situation really so uh for for that reason and everything everyone said i think to begin the year marcus morris makes the most sense yeah and i yeah the the knox thing will be interesting you it's just a tough concept i mean we want to develop this guy and I don't know. Super sub doesn't seem like the role you want him in. I I don't know. That's that's tough for me to swallow mentally. Cause what what are we really trying to do this year? And uh, Kevin Knox coming off the bench. That's tough. But Marcus Morris is the better player right now. I don't think that's really a conversation. Um, starting at the two, are we all team R.J. Barrett? Did the Knicks kind of like officially announce that? Do we believe in that? I haven't I think seen. We- that announced but i assume that's the case i think they announced it when they played him 37 minutes per game in the preseason <laughs> <laughs> that's valid point that's a lot of that was that point guard though tom yeah the and backcourt I, I might get a little muddled a little mixed up um but actually jake i want to go real quick back to the kevin knox playing against uh sure. playing against reserves i think that there is some value to, to getting him out there i mean uh, against opposing bench units and, and not being guarded by the opposing team's best wing defender, which is probably what would happen uh, if you were to start at small forward. That's that's how that would work. Um, I just he was so inefficient last year and has such a long way to go that th- there's no rush here. Like we don't need to be getting him these starters, the the starting role at 20. You know, like he he got some of that in, in his rookie season. It didn't go great, but. It can be a slow progression too. Like he can, he can prove, or you know, earn his stripes against these reserves and prove that he can be a, a you know above average to average to above average rotation player before he is just gifted a starting spot. I think he has to earn it, and I think that would mean more to him too. And I think okay. he's he's I'll gonna get those twenty plus minutes a game at the beginning. Presumably, anyway, and if he works at the year to start starting games and getting creeping up like over twenty five minutes a game and approaching thirty, cool, all the better. Once we start making some trades, more minutes open up too. So, uh, I I don't have a big issue with starting him on the bench, even though I, I sure I want to see him play as many minutes as possible. Um, there's merit in being on the bench. Yeah, yeah I think he can I, still I get, get li- like twenty five minutes per game. I, I'm hoping that that'd be kind of the the watermark for me because I, I, I want to see him develop. I want to see him get a lot of minutes. It's just against reserves is okay with me. Well, and that, that's where I just get a little scared because, I mean, Kevin Knox did play 29 minutes per game 
last year. So, I mean, and he started 57 games. So are we going to look back at the end of this year and say, ooh, Kevin Knox played three minutes less per game, was the same efficiency, um, didn't have any starts. Like, I, I feel like that's going to be a wasted Kevin Knox year. That's that's kind of my only concern. Um, and I, we I think it's, it's safe to say, like, last year was the anomaly, right? The 17-win season, we, we don't want to – a right. repeat of that you know it, it's, not, it's not good for team chemistry it's not good for anybody not good for yeah. anyone's confidence so I think we look at Knox's rookie season as the anomaly and just kind of move forward from there yeah Kevin Knox was the, at the end of the year he was our offense and I don't think that that was you know that was part of the reason he was the least efficient player in the NBA because he was a 19 year old as leading in the offense of a NBA team so I, I'm expecting kind of big jumps in his efficiency this year just because of the lesser role and you know having more evenly distributed talent around him all right so so back back to the starting lineup I mean so do we all have RJ Barrett starting whether you have it as a a one slash two does anyone have RJ Barrett coming off the bench nope no no all right I like that well then let's Let's where it gets let, interesting. Let's send it around. Big Baby David, who is the Knicks' fifth starter? I mean, if you asked me, probably even like 10 days ago, I'd have probably just said Dennis Smith Jr. and called it a day because the guys will rotate. But I mean, after seeing uh, and hearing people speak highly enough about, about seeing Frank and R.J. Barrett wow. playing together, I – want to see that as much as possible so if they're Hot if they're take. ready to do that i'm ready for it well and jake is the question who should be the starting point guard or who do we think will be the starting point guard a uh, little column a little column b sell me on it get <laughs> flirty with it yeah i mean i'm i'm with bbd in that i think it should be frank starting at point guard i i'd love to okay. see some perimeter defense um see his length out there and I, like i said the fit with rj barrett to me is, is pretty seamless um, I don't think Fizdale will do that. I'm thinking that right now it's Alfred Payton's starting job to lose. That's just kind of the vibe I've gotten from the from the quotes I'm reading to just Fizdale's general outlook. Like he really wants to see Dennis Smith Jr. earn the starting spot, and and Payton right now is the he's the veteran. He's proven more in his career, so I, I think that right now he's that steadying presence, Jake, that you mentioned. I think that he'll be your starting point guard to start the season. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm lockstep with Tom in terms of uh, I think it should be or I, I, what I would like to see is Frank and R.J. Barrett in the backcourt with uh, you know them kind of splitting the the ball handling duties. Uh, and what I expect is that Alfred Payton will be the starter. Um, I think part of that is because Dennis Smith Jr. is coming off the injury. I think if he was healthy the entire preseason, it probably would have been him starting. Uh, but because he was injured and came back and didn't look particularly good, I think he's going to start the season coming off the bench. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, I think well, I got to agree with all that. Um, I think it would have been Dennis Smith Jr., but he was bad in the two games that he played. Uh, I don't think Frank's starting right off the bat, and uh, so by default, it is Alfred Payton. Yeah, yeah, I, I. I don't know if I I don't want to put myself on Team Alfred, but I I think I'm getting kitty cornered there. But yeah, I mean, this, I I just think where where Frank ended last year with the Knicks and him and Fizdale, I, I'm not sure where that relationship is totally at. And I mean, you you have a guy 
uh, in Alfred Payton, who started 295 basketball games in the last five seasons. Um, like he's he's been out there starting games for 30 minutes, and I it it's not the prettiest. He's not a great shooter. I I I admit that he's a 30 percent career three point shooter. Um, but I mean 11 points per game, 6.6 assists, 4.4 rebounds. Um, you know, he was started with the Pelicans last year with Julius Randle. So I, I, I think there's something there that at least they give him the keys to start this thing out. And you guys are right. I mean, would it be awesome to see Frank flourish and kind of take over that defensive stopper role, not feel the pressure like he has to be the future point guard of the Knicks, especially with R.J. Barrett coming in and maybe running some of the offensive sets? Absolutely. But I think Frank's got to work his way in. And, and like Tom was saying with Kevin Knox, I think you start Frank out on second units. Um to try to get his comp offensive confidence up because we already know what he can do on defense to a degree. Um, but he needs to get, he needs to get fluffed a little bit on offense. True. Yeah. One way to put it. <laughs> can we say that on this pod? I, uh, I think so. I think you guys got lucky cause I did the hand motion, but it was just under my camera. So that, uh, that, that might've been better for you guys. Um, <laughs> that's <laughs> tough. And I, I, again, I, not planning stuff always worked out for me in this life. Do we do we want to do the Fizdale like front office conversation right now? Are are we confident in them? Are we not confident in them? Do we think there's going to be an offense this year? Um, Tom, I, I want to start with you. Do I think there's going to be an offense this year? That that's definitely a concern of mine. I I'm 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 worried about it. I, I think I feel like Fizdale just kind of lets them play a little bit. That. There, I've been looking through some some threads. I've been reading some articles and seeing that there have been more offensive sets in this preseason than than last year. So I, I'm going to be looking for it. I I'm kind of going to reserve judgment until I until I see it. Um, that's just in terms of the offense. Fizdale's rotations in general last year were kind of weird. So I'm I'm hoping to just see that. That he always talks about defense, the importance of defense, but when it came to last year, he didn't really seem to actually value it at all. Um, I'm hoping that he actually thinks about defense and shooting when he puts these together and isn't just kind of cobbling them together based on who's got the hot hand or who he feels is like the alpha at the moment. You know, it, it, he's he's tough to read, but I'm I'm definitely curious to see how he how he handles this roster because it is a very it's a unique roster, no, no question. And he doesn't have an easy task ahead of him either. So, I, I don't think I don't think he's going to get fired this year. That's that's for one. I know you didn't ask that, but <laughs> but I, I think like that's it. always a fair question. <laughs> I think it's a fair question yeah. when it comes to the Knicks. Like I, I think he's going to stick around all season. Yeah, and I agree with pretty much everything Tom just said. Again, uh, he doesn't have an easy task. He has a lot of capable basketball players, and he's got a limited amount of minutes to give them all. Uh, which is tough. And I know – I feel like he kind of got a pass last year just because the Knicks roster was not an NBA roster. Um, but their offense last year was just so poor. Like, there was no plan. It was just whoever had the ball was going to go ISO and try to score, and whether that was Enos Cantor or ISO Zoe or Emmanuel Moutier or Kevin Knox or whoever it was – they they all went ISO and there was there was no movement there was no planning there was nothing 
and I know a lot of that they said was because they had a bunch of young guys, so they had to simplify the the playbook. But you know, at some point, I think you gotta expect these people to to learn the playbook, even if it's a little more complicated, rather than just you know making it easy for everyone by running out a terrible offense. So um, he's the difference this year being that they have NBA players. So here's to hoping that we see an NBA offense. I think that's uh, I I'm a little bit more critical of uh, last year than Tom is. Uh, but I just think that, you know, we got to see something from him this year. And now he's got the pieces to show it. Yeah, I, I would agree with, with everything you just said, Kenny. They He needs to show something this year. If, if the Knicks, like, game plan appears as, as bad as it was a year ago, um, it's going to start getting loud for – uh, for David Fisdale, um, so they gotta they gotta show something to show that that he like is a guy that guys want to play for, play hard for, and has the basketball IQ that we need from a head coach. Because now he gets that free pass for last year, but they they gotta show something or else people will be mad and calling for heads. Yeah, and I'm I'm interested to see what this rotation is gonna be. Like Tom said, that like everybody said, there's a lot of capable players and. In the preseason, he really didn't tip his hand at what who's going to be sitting on that bench. He, he, like Peyton, DSJ, Frank, one of those guys is going to be disappointed. So we're about to find out who very soon. Do, do we think there's going to be like an old guy, young guy rift on this team at some point? Like, is this an inevitable push come to shove? Because I, I mean, there's, you know, we've we've talked about in in our group chat, we've talked about maybe a young guy bench mob. Like, we just throw all the young guys in as a second unit, and sometimes it's a lot of fun. Sometimes it's terrible. Um, I, I mean, should I not be thinking that way? Should we be thinking, like Tom kind of said, like, like, Fizdale, like, let's pray Fizdale's not thinking that way. Um, but, you know, should he be thinking about, like, good defensive lineups and, you know, pair Marcus Morris with a, a Kevin Knox? Or uh, I, I don't know. Is, is there a young guy, old guy rift on this team? Will there be? I think that part of the value of having these veterans is is getting them on the court with the young guys, right? And like these these are veterans who know how to play basketball. And I, I don't know the the young guy bench mob would be fun in spurts, but it would just I think it would devolve into some pretty ugly basketball very quickly. There, there's a reason you bring in these more steady presences and and you try and and get them to to rub off on the on the young guys. And I think you do that by having them play together more so than, like, having the young guys wa- watch them. Um, that's just my opinion, though. Maybe you, that could be completely wrong. Yeah, and I don't, um, I don't foresee a kind of young guy, old guy battle, except for what you guys have mentioned with Alonzo Trier, maybe. But, I, like, I – and again, going back to what I think, I, I think that there's going to be some movement this year of players that's going to open up some some time. But, you know, there is going to be some overlap early in the season. And, you know, there's also probably going to be some injuries and there are, already has been with Reggie Bullock. That's going to sort some of this out. Obviously, at the end of the day, that there's, there's probably going to be someone who's unhappy, but I don't know that it's going to break down to a an older guy, younger guy situation. Yeah, I think um – the the thing that benefits the Knicks is that it seems like all these young guys are regarded as pretty high character, uh, young NBA players. They seem to 
as far as any fan can tell, have the right head on their shoulders, except for maybe Alonzo Trier, who's like kind of like a magician. He sucks. Um, <laughs> he's like the babysitter. All the vets f- just fucking hate him. But <laughs> but yeah, they. Uh, I don't see there being like a real rift. <laughs> yeah, I. Uh, well, and this what part of the reason that brought me here. And Tom, you're right. I kind of for a second I almost want to do like a young guy, old guy buddy system. But there's not a lot of guys that are like a great pairing, like like Mitchell Robinson and DeAndre Jordan last year. Like I, there there's not necessarily a lot of this on the team. The the one guy that kind of jumped out, and he's a guy that we haven't really mentioned at all yet. Um, who I think he does matter, and I I've got some fun facts with this. Damian Dotson. Damian Dotson played the second most minutes as a New York Nick last year. Really? That, yeah. that team was really bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm looking at this roster and, like, Dotson's not going to play. Iggy's not going to play. Bullock's not going to play because he's injured. I, 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 that's, that leaves 12 people who are for, for however, however many minutes there are. Someone else isn't going to play. It might be Trier. I know Tom said Ellington's like the key to it all, but like, he might not even play. I don't. I have no idea. And it's it. So this is the. It's a, it's a minutes thing that we're we honestly could spin our wheels on for another hour fifteen, but I I think we'll we'll save it to see it start playing out. Um, but of the Knicks, thirteen, thirteen guys with the most minutes played last year. Uh, only five of them are back. And and some of those guys are guys we've skipped over. Damian Dotson was two. Alonzo Trier was six. Um, you know, there's a little skewed there. Dennis Smith was 14. That's why I cut it off at 13. But this Knicks team is going to look completely different. And I, I think it kind of brings us to, to where we need to wrap this up. And it's it's kind of the over-under. And it's what, what do you guys expect from this Knicks team? Uh, the the last Vegas one I saw was 28 and a half. Uh, I don't know if you guys want to work off that number if your bookie has a better line than me. Um, but 28 and a half games is the over-under in Vegas for this Knicks team. Uh, Big Baby David, gun to your head. Which one are, are you going over? Are you going under? Uh, I, I think I'm going over. I've got this team pegged for 31 games, one uh, on the nose. Uh, and and you will not find a more correct thing than that. Uh, I've never been wrong. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's confidence. I like it. <laughs> that's that's wild confidence. Um, okay, Greg, uh, tough to beat, but uh, I think I'll go over. I'll take thirty-three. Ooh, okay, uh, I mean, we're going uh, up. I I just think that the Eastern Conference is so weak that that'll probably be the one seed. <laughs> okay, <laughs> weak Eastern Conference here. The 33 win Knicks get the one seed. Um, Kenneth, uh, I'm gonna take the. I'm gonna take a push. 28 wins and one tie. Okay, you're taking a push on 28 and a half. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a w- one tie, Tom. Did you not? Did you not hear me? I did. No, I just uh, had to make sure. Uh, <laughs> and it that that's a tough line because I've said in our in our group chat I think it's gonna be 28 to 30. So that's that splits my line, but uh, I'll, I'll be different and I'll I'll take twenty eight wins exactly, so slightly under. Tom, 
See, I was going to be different and take the under and, and say the same thing, but I'm not going to do that anymore because now I've Kenny completely changed my mind. I think it's going to be 29 <laughs> on the nose. And wow. I really do feel good about 29. I think, first of all, considering they won 17 games last year, like the fact we're talking about a 12-game improvement, that's I mean that's pretty awesome. That'd be 12 yeah, more wins would be would be fun. Um, Got a better team. It's a better team. And with the new I, lotto odds, you never know. I'm taking the over 29. That's it. Yeah, I um. What about you, Jake? No, we never ask you questions. What do you think? Man, it it it's, it's so tough. Yeah, Ken, Kenny nailed it. Um, <laughs> you know, I I'm looking at last year, and you know, it any basketball reference or even baseball reference user, um, you know, if you look at a team, it has the green and red chart that shows their their like games they won, games they lost. There's so much red on that <laughs> that Knicks page from last year. It's like shocking. Um. It's it's wildly shocking. And I, I don't know. I mean, I, I just think they brought in all these NBA guys, um, you know, literally seven NBA guys with another lottery pick with young guys getting better. So it's it's does that equal 12 wins? Does the Garden get rocking this year? I think I'm going to go for it. Uh, I think I'm going over just because I think the Knicks get out to a little uh, a hot start. Um, and I, I think they try to... They try to pull one over our eyes like they did in 2017, 2018, where around Thanksgiving I see the Knicks being 500, and we're like, these guys play hard. These guys play real hard. Um, and then the games. wheels, and then the wheels will come off after a couple West Coast trips. But yeah, I'm I'm not gonna peacock and throw a 35 out there. I'll I'll, I'll be corny and say I'll I'll say they get to 30, and they'll say that was that was one of their bars they tried to get to this year, and they try to play that off cool after winning the last game of the year on a Nador buzzer beater. Um, <laughs> that's uh God, how, how long ago was that? Um, and, and I don't know guys, we, we are getting to the end of the leash a little, I'll send it back across the horn one more time. And I, I don't know if it's, if it's a best case, worst case or, um, or how you see things playing out or, or maybe if you've got one less, one last hot take in the cannon for us, Tom, but like what I, I mean is, is, are we just hoping that there's signs of an offense? These young guys find their roles. The the old guys teach them something, and then we ship them away at the trade deadline. Or what's what are you looking for? I I don't think it's that different from last year in terms of what I'm looking for, and that was just like skill development from these players. Like Kevin Knox last year was I, I mentioned his finishing. He was also just a terrible passer. In preseason, he threw some nice passes. Like, if he can keep that up, that's such a great sign. And and so it's going to be little things like that. Mitchell Robinson has just never been able to put the ball on the floor in any capacity. Like, even like a one dribble and, and like, kick it out to the opposite corner sort of thing. Like, just these little skills that are going to add up and make these players be more well-rounded. And, and ultimately, like, those are the things that matter. That's the difference between – an all-star and, and, you know, just kind of a, a normal rotation player, just being able this to do all these skills and put them all together. So to answer your question, like nothing, not really a hot take, but just that's the the thing, like these these individual skills and, and improvements that, that the our young core needs to, needs to take on. The, this is lame sports media pretty quickly, but uh, are, is the new goal to kind of 
like copy and paste what the Nets just did. Like show show that our organization has some stability. We have some young talented guys, and we run an actual offense. I, I think that's always the goal is to, you know, improve your team. Um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of say that keep going back to this idea but i think that there's going to be a lot of movement among players and that's what i want to see from this front office just because we're not expecting to be good for another couple years and all of these players that we have are on two-year contracts so most likely most of them won't be on the team when we're good uh so if any of them develop any value particularly all of the free agents we just signed I would want to kind of ship them off for anything we can get for them rather than, you know, holding on like we did with Von Ley uh, to the extent we're like, all right, this guy could be a good guy to, you know, to have on the team alongside, you know, whoever we bring in in free agency. No, just if, if they develop some value, get what you can and just start building up assets. And then once you have the assets to, you know, push out and make another trade and bring in another guy if you know if another situation develops like the paul george thing going to to the clippers then you have all of these assets in your back pocket to use and i think that's what i want to see um in terms of of a lot of these veterans along with what tom said about the development of the young guys i think one of the things with these anyone who develops value being traded is if anybody develops value, that probably means that we're winning basketball games, and then you wouldn't want to trade them, and we'd actually just continue to try to win games. Well, Did you think mean, of that? I mean, we weren't. Vonley had some value at the beginning of last year. And I think it's not like we were good. I think Vonley's value is being very, very overstated in this world. Do you think we could have gotten a second round pick for Vonley though? Because I, I do. No. Early, early in the season. Only because we were on the Knicks fans rooting for them, but everyone else were like, wow, that team is very bad at basketball, and that guy is okay. He is yeah, on that, that team. That, that <laughs> might no, Noah Vonley playing well might have been a bigger insult to the Knicks. Um, Damn. B, BBD, what uh, an, an outlook that, that catches your beautiful eyes. Yeah, I mean, my, my cohorts here have, uh, have hit it right on the head, I think. You wow. know, just show me some development from the young guys uh and if you can capitalize on any trade value any of these vets have um or if any of the young guys that they don't actually believe in long term and they build up value and want to sell high on them that would that would also work um and yeah and if you you know narrowly miss the the playoffs end up with like the 10th best odds at these new lotto odds who knows it could be that can be fun yeah, draft Zion this year. I like that. Um, Good idea. Yeah, I, I don't know, and I, I think I said this a few times last year. Um, it, it feels like we're we're young. We're one young piece away from having a real core. Like, Mitchell Robinson feels like he can be a piece. He's a center. Yes, they're not as valuable, but he's good at what he does, and he could be great at what he does. Um, R.J. Barrett, we're obviously locked in. We have to be, and there's reason to believe he can be. Kevin Knox, uh, he's kind of a wild card, but we're still bought in for now because he can. He definitely shown some flashes, and he's still crazy young. Either Dennis Smith Jr. or Frank or, or someone else, or maybe it is that trade Kenny's talking about. I mean, maybe there is a big 
Dennis Smith Jr., Frank, Marcus Morris trade, three-way trade at the deadline that brings us back one more piece to believe in. But um, I, I, I don't know. I just think it, it shouldn't go underrated. How much better this year's product is going to be than last year's product? Um, when when I did that minutes thing, I mean, so, some of the guys that played a lot of ball, Hazonia, Cantor, uh, Corn, Luke Cornett was 11th in minutes played. I like Luke Cornett. Don't get me wrong, but I I don't know. Emmanuel Moutier was fourth in minutes played. Von Ley was third. I just think Ron the talent. Baker was the first man off the bench in our first game last year. I I I just think give give us some good basketball, or <laughs> and give me one more young guy that I either believe in or Knox fully win me over something like that. That's what I want. Um, will I get it? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Usually the final talking Knicks podcast of the season ends up with me sad and cussing out the franchise. And you know that's why you're a Knicks fan because you keep coming back for more. Um, boys, unless anyone else has something, I I, I think we, we did it pretty good. Um, and, and we're excited. If you're tuning in, we thank you. Uh, we're going to be rolling out more this year. If you're listening to us, you probably have an idea of some of the John Boy Media stuff and Talking Yanks and everything that's gone up. Uh, we plan on doing the same right here. So for Big Baby David, Greg Poon, Ken Poon, Thomas J. Piccolo, let's go next. Next tape.